Mitä pelataan podcast? Episode 2. A Tartan Plain on a Mediterranean Coast. In this episode, I'll tell you which games I played on the second week of March. Then very briefly I tell about games that I want to get to the table and some games I want to get to the shelf. The changing topic of this episode is the games that I want to play in this year. I said that I might not make a top 10 list, but I'll make a top list anyway, because it's customary to make one from the previous year. So in this episode, I will give you my top 9 games from the previous year, 2017. So, what did I play on the second week of March? In the board game club we played Shotten Totten. It's a two-player card game. Basically it's the same game as Paddle Line. If you've played Paddle Line you know what the game is about. This Shotten Totten is a remade version. It has this Scottish guys on the pictures in the cards. And it's a card game where you play sets of three cards on your side of the table and you try to beat the set of the opponent. It has somewhat poker-like rules so that Three nines is better than three sixes and so on and so forth. And when you have gained more tokens from the middle of the table than your opponent, you win the game. People are saying that you shouldn't use the tactics cards in this game, but I disagree. I think that you should use the tactics cards. Although they are broken, you can use exactly one card more than your opponent. So if your opponent uses one card and you don't use any tactics cards, your opponent can't use the second card at all. The same goes for you. I like this game, I like Battle Line already. Maybe this graphic is more cartoony or nice, but I don't see a reason to play Shotten Totten or like it more than Battle Line, because they are essentially the same game. If you've played Battle Line, you can just stick with the Battle Line, in my opinion at least. That's what I will do. Then other game we played in the board game club was Alexandria, a library in Cinders. I packed this in Kickstarter so I have the Deluxe Edition. The Deluxe Edition has these wooden components but I don't see a reason to use the wooden components. The cardboard components do the same thing well enough. Basically you are a person in the library who tries to save certain things from there before the library burns down. All persons have different powers or strengths or things that they want to save and whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins the game. I didn't like this game. My game will go to the selling list, I'm quite sure about it. My biggest problem in this game was that it takes way too long time for the kind of game that it is. And also there is lots of downtime and that comes from this system how this game works. You have different actions that you can do and all the actions take different amount of time. So when you have used your time it's other players turn. Basically the one who is last on the time track will be the first to act. So who has the most time left will do their action first. And also there is this very annoying aspect of the game that you can take time from people who are on next squares from you. So you can take their time so that they assist you in the actions. And I really got annoyed with this because at one point I had almost 15 minutes downtime. 10 to 15 minutes and I'm telling the truth. Because I used an action that took a lot of time, and then when it was about to be my turn, someone used my time again. Okay, I get one victory point, but so what? 
This also had so much components, it's a bit too fiddly. And especially on the first playthrough, it's very, very difficult to grasp what you should do. And it really takes too long. And as I already said, I will probably put my copy for sale. Then at home, we played Lupin Louie with my wife and my daughter. My daughter is soon two years old. And she almost was able to play the game. She was able to understand that you are supposed to press the paddle down to make the pilot go up. But she didn't really want to hit the chickens. She wanted to save the chickens and collect them. But next Christmas we will be playing this properly. And maybe at some point in the future I will have some opponent that can actually beat me in this game. And I'm mentioning here my daughter is two years old soon. We are not really able to play games that much. She likes to play games but not to follow the rules yet. A memo game we can play somehow. It's quite fine but we have to adjust the rules. Of course all the cards can't be upside down already from the beginning of the game. And this kids version of Carcassonne, whatever it's called in English. Kids of Carcassonne or something. That's also somehow playable. At least it's interesting to build maps and put the correct color meeples to the correct place on the map. Then we also played Istanbul the dice game and this game was the best game of the week. I really liked this. It was very fast with two players. We played it with my wife when we had an hour empty and it took only 20 minutes with the rules and all the setup and playing and everything included. Or 25 minutes maybe. Some people say that this gives the feeling of Istanbul. No, it doesn't. It's not Istanbul, not even close to Istanbul. It's just a quick dice roller but it's a good one it's really good dice game and it's probably one of the best i have on myself and both of us already liked the original game istanbul so we both liked istanbul dice of course this was really tight also we both managed to complete the amount of rubies that are needed i got there first but my wife got there on her turn and then she had more money than me so she won the game by the tiebreaker so what do I want to get to the table? In this episode I will do it in a bit different way. I want your opinions on these games that I'm going to speak about. I'll only mention two. First one is Charterstone. I bought it some time ago but we would play this two player with my wife. And I would like your opinions on if it works with two player or not. And if it does, have you played it with two player? How many automas are you using? Are you using any? Are you using two? When do you begin using the automas or are you just playing without any automas? How do you do it and does it work if it does why and if it doesn't why not? Then the second game is Alchemists and for this I also have the same question because I've heard that it works with two player and it works with three and it works with four. But because I haven't played it yet, what is the number of players that I should play it first time? Should it be with two players, three players or four players and why? I think it might be easiest to play it first time with two players, but I just want to know that if I should try to get it to the table with the wife, or would it be as easy or more difficult or better or worse to get it to the table with four players or three. On my wish list, I have two games. One of them is new, that is not even out yet. One of them is a bit older that I've decided that I want to get to myself. The first one is Rise of Queensdale. There's not much information in English about this game. It's out in German already. It's a legacy 
Euro game as far as I've understood and it's made by Inka and Marcus Brandt who have a really good track record in my eyes. At least most of their games I've liked. I haven't yet played a game made by them that I didn't like. So I'm eagerly waiting to get this in English and to play it. I hope this works with two players as well. The second game on the list is Viticulture. I've played this only one time and a friend of mine who had the copy and whose copy I played says that this works very well with two players. So I trust him and I also want this. But whenever it's available in Finland and I'm thinking that I will order it, it is out of stock. It ends very quickly when it comes available here. So I guess I'm not the only person who has it on the wishlist who will buy it when it's available. This is a really good worker placement game also and the essential edition seemed to be almost like a perfect worker placement game. I really do want this to the shelf and especially because it works with two players. It should be very good addition to myself. So as a changing topic in this episode I have a list of the games that I want to get played this year. I decided that I'll make this board game resolution because all the podcasts are making a board game resolution and people in general are making some kind of resolutions for the new year. So my resolution is that at the end of the year I try not to have any games that I haven't played on myself. Of course it needs some modification if some games come in December or such but the games that I'm listing now I want to get played except a few exceptions on the list. I have games listed for two people that I want to play with my wife and then games that need more people to play. First of all I have two games that are waiting for my daughter to be old enough to play them. The first one is Stuffed Fables and the other one is Outfoxed. Both of these I want to try first with my wife so we know what age the daughter should be when we can introduce these games to her. Especially the stuffed fables, it might have something scary or such in it. And also I think it needs to be translated into Finnish maybe before playing. Or of course we can translate it on the fly as well, but it might have effect on the experience on the story if we have to figure out a word or something while we are trying to translate the story. Then these two player games that I want to play with two people. Uh, I have... Agricola All Creatures Big and Small with the expansions. Also Dracula from this Cosmos two-player series that are not in a hurry to get to the table. I will get them to the table eventually, but they don't take much space on the shelf, so it doesn't really matter if I get them to the table now or in a month or in a year. Then I have Stronghold first edition on the shelf. It's been there for a while, and the reason why it's still unplayed is because of the rulebook. It's horrible. And if you know how, especially at earlier times, Ignacy was doing these rule books, you know how this rule book is. It's very long rule book and very unclear and very difficult to understand without having the game in front of you and learning the game with the rules and with the game at the same time. By reading the rules, I didn't understand much or didn't remember how the game works and I didn't even give it another try, but I should do it. Then one big box on the shelf that is supposed to be played with two players, I'm not going to play it with three or four, especially not the first time, is Colonists. This is also not in a hurry. Basically it needs to be set up before playing and maybe 
I'll get it to the table when we get Gloomhaven out from the vault of the table. So at that time, these colonists can take the place in the vault. Or if at some point I can just leave it to the table, then that's fine as well. But this is not a game that we can play in one hour. It will take longer. Then hardback came from Kickstarter a while ago. We bought like paperback a lot and hardback should be similar, maybe better, maybe not. Maybe it's more gamely game or something, but we don't really mind. We probably like it because we like paperback already. Then Seventh Continent came from the Kickstarter just a while ago. I originally backed the first Kickstarter, but then I cancelled the pledge because there was too long delivery time and I think it even delayed. So now when they made the second Kickstarter, this time I decided to back it and it came already. Not the expansion of course, but the main game came already. I'm not in a hurry to play that game either yet. And same goes for Thunderstone Quest, which also came some time ago. Both of these games need sleeving and that will take some time, especially Thunderstone Quest, because the cards are so many in that game. And this Thunderstone Quest I probably play with a friend of mine who I played Thunderstone Advance with, his copy of Thunderstone Advance. So I want to return the favor to him, and he gets to play this one. St. Petersburg 2nd edition I got from a sale. The first edition was very good with two players, and the second edition should be even better maybe. And especially with two players, this game shines. And I don't know if there's any reason to play it with three or four at all. Also, Xenoshift Onslaught is waiting for summer, when a childhood friend of mine will come to visit. I promised to play it with him because he got it for me used from another city and then sent it to me and he likes this Starship Troopers kind of feeling as do I so I'm waiting for him to be around so we can play it together. Then we get to the games that need more than two players. Maybe more than two players. As I mentioned earlier Alchemist and Charterstone are on this list those I'm not going to talk more about at the moment. The other ones are Lisboa, Through the Ages, A New Story of Civilization, and Tiny Epic Quest. Lisboa and Through the Ages are that kind of games that I don't think I want to play them with four people, especially in the beginning, maybe not ever. They are two or three player games, both of them. Both of them take a lot of time to learn, I'm sure. It probably takes half an hour minimum to teach the game. But both of them seem very logical, so after you've learned how the game works, it doesn't seem that difficult. It will run very smoothly and it will run in a way by itself when you've learned how to play the game. Tiny Epic Quest is two or three player game for the reason that you have some control over the map or over the game if there are less players. I don't really like it if you have no control over the game so that you do something and on your next turn you have no idea what will happen or what you can do because something that someone else does will change the whole game state too much and you can't really do anything about it. Then I have Seafall on the shelf and it seems that it's impossible to get a group to commit to this game. It's understandable because it will take hours, tens of hours to complete the campaign and it would be silly to begin and then not finish. Also people are watching this board game media and there are so many negative reviews or meh reviews about this game that people think that it's not a good game. 
but I also heard Rob Rouse from Blue Pack Pink Pack podcast and he seems to like this game a lot. So I'm willing to give this game a chance, a fair chance. Then another game that I think that should be played with three people is Xaya, Legends of a Drift System. And I'm thinking should I wait for the expansion, this Embers of a Forsaken Star, to arrive from the Kickstarter in autumn or should I just try this without the expansion? Some people say that you need the expansion, some people say that you don't need the expansion. But if I've understood correctly, the expansion has very good two-player rules, so it might be valid to try this game with two people after the expansion arrives. I don't know, I didn't decide yet. Then I mentioned earlier that I have this second edition of Lignum that I've tried to get to the table. It's still supposed to go to the table and it needs four players actually. Then other four player games that I have to get to the table are Signory, Vinyos, Trickerion, Torres, Tiny Epic Kingdoms and Patch History. Of these Patch History, Torres and Tiny Epic Kingdoms I've just forgot. I didn't remember that I have them. I mean, of course I remembered, but I never remember to read the rules or actually reread the rules or even re-reread the rules because there are other games and these have been on myself for quite a while. So I'm just never remembering to take them with me or read the rules. And I'm not going to read the rules again until it's clear that this will be played at this time. And then I will read the rules so I don't forget them again and again. Signory is a game from What's Your Game and also Vinyos is the same. Vinyos that I have is the first edition. So both of these are What's Your Game games and these also need a arranged time that will play this at this time with this group. I'm not in a hurry to get them to the table either yet because they just came to myself a while ago. They haven't stayed there long. Trickerion was one of the first Kickstarters that I backed and Friends of mine said that they would play it when it comes, but we still didn't play it. So thank you guys. This is also a game that you need to arrange time and you need to make sure that you have a group to play it. And it would be nice if everyone read the rules beforehand. So that doesn't take time to tell the rules. This one has quite a lot of symbology and rules and such to remember. So it will take a while to play the first game. Pursuit of Happiness is also a game that I've just forgotten that I have. That doesn't seem difficult from the rules and such. I just haven't remembered to take it with me to the board game club and it's too light or short game to play at home because I prefer to play heavier games when people come over or if I go somewhere to play. Then I also have Caverna in myself. I still haven't played Caverna in my life. Yes, I'm confessing. I've had chance to play another person's copy earlier and I didn't, I played something else at that time. I will have a chance to play this at some point. This is a good game, I'm sure of it and I'm sure that I like it so it gets to the table when it gets to the table. No rush with it, I can play two player also if I have to. Then games that are supposedly best with four people that haven't been on my shelf for a long time are Empires of the Void 2, Gaia Project and Noria. Empires of the Void came a while ago from the Kickstarter. I haven't really even read the rules yet. I opened the box and looked at it so cute from the inside. 
and that's about it. Gaia project, I've read the rules and sorted the stuff and such, but also this requires some time to play the first time. Probably three hours need to be reserved, so this hasn't got to the table yet. It has to be arranged beforehand like some other games that I've already talked about. Noria is not getting to the table because I hate the rulebook. It's very annoying to me. There are two language rules in the same book. It's a square book, which I already don't like. It's a heavy one because there's two language rules, so I can't read it in the bed. And what is most annoying with the rulebook is that there are so many examples in the rulebook that I can't really go through the rules because I have to try to find them from somewhere because there are so many examples blocking the way and I don't see the rules among the examples. The game is probably medium weight and such and I want to get it to the table but this rulebook is annoying me so much that I can't seem to finish reading it. Especially because I can't read it in the bed. Then I still have three games that are for bigger groups. Tortuga 1667 is a game for 5 or 7 players. I think that this is best with uneven number of players. 9 is maybe too much but 5 or 7 seem to be very nice amount of players according to the rules. I've had it in my backpack a few times when I go to the board game club but there hasn't been the correct number of players, there has been even numbers of players, so we played Captain Sonar or something similar instead when I've had this game with me. This will get to the table eventually. It seems interesting, but I'm not sure if it's as interesting as it promises to be. Let's see. Two games that need six players, and they need six players, so that you get what you want to get out from the games, are Rex, Final Days of an Empire, which is a remake of Dune, the board game, and this has to be also arranged beforehand, and it would be nice if people would read the rules beforehand as well. This is not that rules heavy, it seems, but it would be good if everyone knew what is happening from the beginning of the game, so that people are on an even ground and it's fair to everyone that you know what will happen and what to do and how it happens. Exodus Proxima Centauri I packed in Kickstarter, during their first expansion run and I took the revised edition with the expansion. Since then I packed the other expansion as well so now I have a huge box on the shelf that fits all the expansions. And I don't know if I want to play it directly with expansions. Maybe the first one is good because the factions get specific powers and such. But this also has to be arranged beforehand and that's why it hasn't got to the table. So at the end of the year I'll see what I've played from this and what I haven't and let's see what I haven't got to the table they might need to leave the shelf. I don't usually sell or give games away without playing them but if there is no space on the shelf there is no space on the shelf. I have kickstarters coming in autumn like CO2 and Gentes and also Brass should come anytime soon so there is no emptiness in the shelf. Also SN is coming and maybe they have some good games that need some space on the shelf. 2017 In my opinion the previous year was quite good. There was wide range of different kinds of games. There were a few huge games that came out last year and in my opinion the thing was that there were so many good games that it's difficult to pick among them that what you should get and which ones are the best. 
Anyway, I've made a top 9 list of my games. I thought that 9 is a good number and it's original because 9 as a number is a good number and also you can do the list in Sam Healy way so you can make 3 games, 3 games, 3 games if you wish to. And actually when I recorded the Finnish episode earlier this month, I noticed that it seems to be a thing to make 9 game lists. Because you can make a square picture out of 9 games very easily and my idea is not original anymore. But, oh well, I'll still make top 9 rather than top 10. Before we get to the top 9 list, I have to mention that I have played 41 games from 2017 and that number is excluding the escape room or puzzle games like unlocks, exits and deckscapes because... I consider those kinds of games more as an experience and not as a game. It would be difficult to compare them to these other games that can be played more than once. If I put them to the list, a few of them would be on the list. And it would be quite silly actually to put them there. I looked from Board Game Geek, games that were released on 2017. I looked through two pages from the search. Is it 100 or 200 games? But... Anyway, I found 25 games that could be on the list if I had played them. I'll briefly list 10 of them and I'm not going to go into much detail about this because I haven't played them. Seventh Continent, Charterstone and Lisboa and also Pulsar 2849 I have on myself. About the first three I talked already, Pulsar 2849 seems like a game that I will like. I just got it one week ago but I haven't played it yet. Same with Santa Maria. Spirit Island seems to be a good cooperative game, a bit difficult and not as lightweight as many cooperative games are. I had a chance to play it, but I played another game instead, so I didn't play it at that time. Near and Far has got my interest now. At first I didn't really like it or I thought that meh, it might not be nice, but after I've seen it in more places and such, I think I actually might like it, and especially if it would work with two players, it would be very nice addition to ourselves. Newsfield is Uwe Rosenberg's newest game, and I might or might not like it, I don't know yet. I didn't instantly buy it, because from the reviews and such, I wasn't sure if I would like it. I would like to try it, but I'm not sure if I want to buy it, at least not yet, necessarily. Whistle Stop is a game that, if I see it used, or in a good discount I will buy it. With the current prices that it goes in Finland I'm not going to buy it. It's a bit too expensive for the kind of game it is. And I might not like it. I don't know yet if I will or not. Heaven and Ale is a game that I will buy. This one is insta-buy for me when it's available so that I can get it. This seems like a game that I will really like and it might go to my top games of all time quite high to the list, if I've understood right how the game is and how it plays and so on. I think I already mentioned 10 games, but I have to add that one more game that I would want to play and I will probably get this at some point is Fox in the Forest. I like trick-taking games in general and if there is a trick-taking game for two people, then it interests me. And Fox in the Forest seems to be a good one. Now as we get to the list, I will not describe the games much, I will just briefly tell about them while I talk about them. So 
Number nine on the list is Downforce. This is a very good racing game by Restoration Games and they made a better version of this racing game series from Wolfgang Kramer, this card system where you drive on a track using cards. And I suggest that if you see this somewhere you try it because this is a really good game. It's better than it looks. It looks nice but it's still better than it looks. Number 8 on the list is Ex Libris. I really like this game. We played it two player. I don't know if it's any better with more people. I think three might be the best amount of players for this game. Here you build a library from cards and you have to make it in an alphabetical order and such. It has mechanics that I like in it. This tableau building and in a way tile placement with cards and then you can modify it and worker placement and different player powers and such. And it's also a very nice looking game. Also there are good jokes in the books and the book titles. And at least on the first time when we played it I was laughing to some of them. And I thought that it's very good humor that they used when thinking about the books what to put to the shelf. Number 7 is Altiplano. This I've also played only once in two player. But already we liked Orleans with my wife. And this is similar, but I think Orleans is deeper game, but this one is maybe easier. This is different because the areas change and you have to move and you have to think where to move and what to do at what time. They are similar games, but they are different. And I think that both of them need to be on myself. They do similar things, but they do it in a different way. And I think Altiplano is actually quicker to play than Orleans, so... It is useful in a different situation. Sixth game on the list is Bunny Kingdom. I was surprised that I liked this one this much. This was a bit difficult to get in English to Finland, but I finally got it. And this is a game where if you look at photos from the end of game and such, it looks like it's very chaotic and it's difficult to understand what happens where and what is this bunny doing there and such. But it's actually quite smooth and the mechanics work very well together. It's a basically drafting game. You have a card and then you do what the card says and you pass the cards along. And you try to control areas at the end of the game and collect points. And whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins the game. This is a cute game and it's also a good game. You should definitely play it if you have the chance. Number 5 on the list is Clans of Caledonia. I got the Kickstarter for this and I didn't take the deluxe edition, I took the normal edition. I've played this two player, I think it would be better with four player, especially four player because the map would be tight. Also with three player maybe it would work, but two player it was very open map. So we didn't really get to use these combos from the other players buildings, but it was still good. Both me and my wife liked it and although it was a bit multiplayer solitaire when playing with two people, the mechanics worked very well together and we really enjoyed the experience of playing this two-player. Fourth game on the list is Rayas of the Ganges. I mentioned earlier that I liked Inca and Marcus Brand designs when I was talking about this Rise of Queensdale. This is their design and I really like this game also. This is very nice looking like Hooks games are. And this is basically a worker placement, tableau builder, dice management resource management game that has very interesting scoring and money mechanism. There are two tracks around the game board. One of them is 
money track and one is fame track and they go to different directions and when you have a token on the tracks both of the tracks and when those tokens pass each other that triggers the end of the game and you win if you are the furthest away from the other token meaning that the difference between your fame and money is the biggest after overlapping it's a very interesting end game mechanism and i really like the first play of this game and i want to play this again third game on the list is anachrony i got to play this finally with the expansion and the exosuits and it was a fantastic game i really like this this has been on my wish list for a while i cancelled my pledge on the kickstarter earlier i thought that it might not be good at the time when it was in kickstarter then i saw it i thought that it might be good but i want to play it first now i've played it and i want it to myself this is a very good worker placement game that also has theme in it because it has this time travel aspect that if you take something from the future you have to pay it back or otherwise you will have problems and this is a very well made game also the top two games on my list could be either way but before we get into those i want to mention a few games that could have been on the list but they just didn't end up on the list codenames duet is in my opinion the best version of codenames mostly because we can play two player with the wife and it works very well there's also a tacked on campaign in the game it doesn't really give any campaign feel or such but at least you have some kind of missions that you try to accomplish when playing the game also because i have the original code names and the pictures version the cards from those can easily be used in this game as well i just didn't include it in the list because it's not really a new game it's a code names same thing but in a different way it would have been high on the list if i included it then one game that i want to mention is kalimala this has won hippodice award it's an award that you get for a good design it's probably not that well known among consumers but maybe among the designers it is well known i haven't heard about it or seen about it until i saw this game this is very interesting game and you should try it if you have the chance to try it it's quite easy to play and to get some kind of understanding what to do and what you should do it has a very interesting mechanism for taking actions and such then the third game that i want to bring up is custom heroes i mentioned trick taking games when i was talking about fox in the forest this one is different this is the card crafting system that aeg is using in their games nowadays that you have this sleeve and plastic transparent card and then you add something to the card and it becomes different card here all the players have a deck of cards that gets mixed in the future and whenever you have a card in your hand and you have this kind of a add on that you can add to the card you can do it and then the card becomes more powerful but what is the interesting thing is that all the cards get mixed so even if you modify a card that you have in your hand in a certain round in the next round you will not have the card or possibly you won't have the card this works surprisingly well i want to try this again and i want to play this more to see if it works as well that i think that it works i think we played it four player or five player but i want to try it with other player counts as well because this was very interesting game in my opinion so the top two games in my list 
that could have been either way. This time the second best game of 2017 is Gloomhaven. There's not much to say about this game, I mentioned about it in a previous episode already. This is a very good game. It's ranked number one in Board Game Geek. I'm not sure if it should be there, but at least it should be at the top. Maybe not number one, but rather that than Pandemic Legacy Season 1, which definitely doesn't deserve the place. I'm not going to explain this game. As I said earlier, just try it if you can, because this game can't really be explained, you have to experience it. And number one on my list from 2017 is Azul. This is a very good abstract game, and why I chose that this should be number one rather than Gloomhaven is not because this is a better game necessarily, but this is very accessible game. When I got this game, we very soon played it with my wife, and then my mother-in-law was visiting us at that time, and then we played it six more times in the following week. And we played it three player and every one of us liked it so much. And if I can play a game in a short period of time that many times with my wife and my mother-in-law, the game has to be good. I also saw them argue about things and it was very interesting to be the spectator for that. I didn't have popcorn unfortunately but I really liked it and I think this game deserves the first place on my list just because of the experience that I got from the game and how accessible it is and everything. Azul is the best game of 2017 in my opinion. Thank you for listening. In the next episode I will tell about Yokicon 2018 which is a local convention we have in the city I live in. I will not have a top list in the next episode to keep the episode a bit shorter. These episodes with a changing topic and a top list seem to be a bit long. I rather keep this under 50 minutes than over. And to be sure that it stays under it, there won't be a top list in the next episode. Because there is enough to talk about the games that I played in Yokiko. You can find me from Facebook on the page Mita Pelata, M-I-T-A-P-E-L-A-T-A. On Instagram and Twitter and also SoundCloud where this podcast is, my username is Mita Pelataan. So the same as previous, just add A and N to the end. On BoardGameGeek you can find me with username Zuxi, Z-U-X-I. If you want to contact me by email, you can send email to mitapelataan at gmail.com. If you have questions or anything, I will answer them in this podcast or through some other channel. Please give comments if you have them. I'm willing to take comments about the content, about the podcast, about anything. If you know anyone who might be interested in listening to this podcast or following me on other media, please tell them to do so. Thank you. Let's get back to it later and I'll tell you what to be playing. The music used in this podcast was created by SoundCloud user Grim Border. Thanks to him for letting me use it.